nobody there It seems I'm all alone again Does anybody care? This planet's empty I see no signs of life Please don't tell me that the human race Did not survive There are no people in the future There are no people There are no people in the future No people at all There are no people in the future Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future Let me try my people call Hey everybody, 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 welcome, welcome. Yes, it is Monday, April 17th, 2023. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out to Coop Live. This is Kev Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards and across the country. You can join us also at the end of the week for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And you can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. Look, wherever you get your podcast, well, there you can find us. And you can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress today. And look, you can help out the show right now. Head on over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. For more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcast. Head on over to the ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast, the amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast, Rock the House. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast at Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. And if you haven't heard, The Signal is a new podcast from the Bucks County Beacon. The Signal is hosted by the Beacon's editor-in-chief, Cyril Nicolaco, and produced by yours truly. Twice a month, The Signal will shine a light on right-wing extremist current streaming through Bucks County and beyond. Cyril invites guests who can provide insight, analysis, organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive roots. Check them out at thebuckscountybeacon.podbean.com and announcing they are now officially on Apple Podcasts and everywhere you get your podcast. And for all you gamers out there, The Game In, that's with two N's, The Game In is a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything for Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. Yep, and kids get discounts when they get A's in the report card. How do you beat that? Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In. If you got a question about a game, looking for something hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. And a special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at @sagadayman. That's at @sagadayman on Twitter. And look, everybody, we can't let Paul Martino and his oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Level Field to launch a truly community-rooted PAC to invest in organizing, supporting local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmasking the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. We're putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. That's ragingchicken.levelfield.net. Well, everybody, you've been waiting for it. Here we go. And this week, I welcome Chris Ulrey to the show. 
Chris covers extremism and social justice for the Bucks County Courier Times PA State team. And we'll be talking about his new investigative piece, Libraries to Locker Rooms, How a Religious Law Firm is Changing PA School Policies. The piece co-written with Bethany Rogers for the USA Today Network, Pennsylvania Capitol Bureau. She's an investigative journalist there. Well, Chris exposes how a deep-pocketed religious law firm is working with right-wing school boards across Pennsylvania to change policies and sow division. Chris Ullery has been a reporter with the Bucks County Courier Times since 2015, covering municipal government, infrastructure, and the Central Bucks School District. His most is mostly self-taught skills in the Python computer programming language. I I just like bow down to you right there, sir. <laughs> Self-taught skills in the Python computer programming language have helped him flesh out and analyze years of voter registration data, track COVID-19 cases at the start of the pandemic in 2020, and build a 10-year database of 9-11 call logs in Bucks County. It's unbelievable. In addition to using his programming experience to track extremist movements, he will work with local newsrooms in the USA Today Network to help tell stories by the numbers. Chris graduated from Frostburg State University in 2014 with a BS in English, major in literature, minor in journalism, near his hometown of Cumberland, Maryland. And you can follow Chris on Twitter at, at Ullery at Intel. That's Ullery at Intel on Twitter. Welcome to the show, Chris. Oh, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm so glad to have you. And like I said to you a little bit before the before the show, you know, I just want to first say thank you for all the reporting that you've been doing. I think that um, for many of us in the community, it's really been um, kind of instrumental um, to help really understand the dynamics that are happening both in our school boards, municipal governments, and so on, and putting it in, a, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a consistent storyline so we can begin to kind of assemble a, a better picture of what's going on. So I appreciate and thank you for your work. Thank you. You got it. Well, before we jump into this particular article, um, maybe we can just, for people who may not be as familiar with your work or those folks who are sitting here down the road in Bucks County, um, but maybe just like give us a little sense of like how you got into this work, in particular, how you found yourself, right, um, doing this kind of investigative work into kind of these shadowy organizations that are influencing our schools. Well, uh, I'd say for, especially for the looking into the school districts. Um, it all started back in around May of 2021. Um, our, uh, the Bucks County Courier Times uh, main education reporter had recently retired. We weren't really sure who was going to be covering the school district for a while. And <clears throat> excuse me, I happened to get uh, assigned to um, a meeting where uh, the, uh, the Diwali holiday was uh, being discussed in Central Bucks. Yeah, I remember this. And there was a, a lot of um, backlash that came from a, a committee meeting where it turned into a discussion on how is the district going to handle holidays in general and some questions about how Jewish holidays got added were was raised. And that led to a lot of community backlash saying, you know, the district was avoiding this and making anti-Semitic comments. And from there... It, to me, that was kind of the very first domino for Central Bucks, mm -hmm. um, even though it was just where I was came, came in, because it was after that, um, there was the meeting where the previous school board uh, president, uh, Tracy Suits, got ousted from her position uh, at the end of the month. And then the board had voted um, to not uh, to not approve uh, conferences. Uh, one of the conferences turned out to be a transgender training for, for teachers. 
which led to another backlash. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I think it was just a few weeks after, or it was the first week of June, there was a special meeting to go to mask optional for the remainder of the school year. And that's kind of like, that's kind of been the, the tone, this sort of controversial and confrontational relationship that the school board has had with the community uh, and the community with the school board uh, has kind of followed ever since then. And it's always been, that was kind of the, the one thing for us uh, with the newsroom that Central Bucks became its own beat yeah. because every monthly meeting had three or four stories that you had to follow. And, you know, school boards from, uh, from a reporter standpoint, they, before the pandemic, they were not interesting. They, you know, in, 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 in plainest terms, as far as like a, a form of government goes, the school board, unless you have children in the district, unless we're talking about a property tax, what the school board does is not going to affect your life. Right. And ever since the pandemic with all the, uh, the, the, the protests against masking and you know, you know, vaccinations and, you know, mandatory tests or screenings ever since then, there's just been this unrelenting pressure on the board in one direction. And then finally in 2021, there came this other, the pressure from the other side where we saw doctors, you know, local doctors starting to get involved. And then every meeting after that has just been these two groups kind of butting heads on things. And it wasn't until, um, I guess it was after the 2021 election um, that we started to see the hints that this library policy right. would, would come about. And, and that kind of, you know, that kind of set the stage for, for what this story would eventually turn into. Yeah. So let me, so was it, I, I'm glad you said this, cause that was gonna be one of the questions I was going to have just, uh, was that, was it a surprise? Like once you showed up at the meeting, cause you know, I, I know that that's always the reputation of a school board is like a school board. If your school board meeting is boring and it should be, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of like what people were talking about. I remember hearing from parents after parents when, you know, I live in the Penridge school district, we're seeing some of this stuff in the Penridge school district that happened in central bucks and parents and community members seem generally kind of like, taken back, but suddenly this happened to the school board. What was, was that your sense of when you were first covering it, that people were surprised in the community about that, or did they sit, tend to see this coming? I, I don't know that anybody saw it coming. Uh, you know, in, I, whenever I first started working for the Courier Times, I was the municipal government reporter. Mm -hmm. And so there were plenty of times where I'm in a situation where it feels like I'm in an episode of Parks and Rec. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, you know, that's, that's my area. That's where I feel comfortable. And then it felt like, to an extent, kind of like that as I started listening to more school board meetings. But I went back, actually, one day uh, last year. I, I looked up, uh, went through the meeting minutes of the past uh, three or four years, and I cataloged the start and end times of each meeting. And before the pandemic, before April of 2020, more specifically, the average meeting time for a Central Bucks board meeting was somewhere around like 40 minutes. And after that, it was two and a half hours. Yeah. So I, I don't know that anybody really could have saw it coming. I mean, who can see the pandemic coming? For, for sure, for one. sure, fair enough. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it, I think it just, I, I think that, probably what nobody saw coming would be 
how long this would last in this district. And it's not just in Central Bucks, of sure. course, but you know, it, it is one of the uh, one of the largest school districts in in the state, um, third or fourth. It kind of varies depending on the enrollment year, um, but you know, it, it's it, it is a I think it's become a a special target for certain groups because it is so large. If you can do if you can get something done in Central Bucks, then a smaller school district might feel emboldened to do exactly the same thing. And I, I think that's why it's been why the focus has been on Central Bucks so much. Yeah. So and I could totally see where that leads eventually to kind of where you end up in this piece. I mean, again, this is not the first time you've reported on this. Right. But, you know, this latest piece, this is the result, as you say, at the, at the onset of the of the article, um, you, you talk about this. Look, this is started as a project back in January. We were decided to start writing all these right to know requests. Um, to try to figure out kind of what's going on. So kind of two questions were there. So what got you to the point where I know that, you know, you're working, uh, you know, working in conjunction um, with uh, Bethany Rogers and USA Today Networks, mm. Pennsylvania Capital Bureau, and decided to write these uh, 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 right to know requests, but not just for Central Bucks, you're looking at kind of across these PA districts. So I guess those two things there. One, what got you to that point? You said, yeah, this is what we need to do to figure out what's going on. And then secondly, um, kind of uh, uh, maybe take us into, let's look at those two organizations, like uh, PA Families Institute and the Independence Law Center, a little bit of who they are as background. But we'll start with first, what got you to that point to, you know, go out down the road of right to no requests? Mm -hmm. So uh, what originally started on, on my side, um, it was a little bit before I joined the state team, um, I received uh, a call from someone who said they had a friend who still worked in Central Bucks, and they had documents to give me, and it was about the library policy. When the library policy passed in July, um, one of the things that you know the uh, superintendent and a few of the board members said was, this isn't going to go into effect until we have our administrative regulations. And those are things that the board doesn't have to vote on because they aren't meant to go outside of the scope of a policy that does have to be voted on. But we never heard anything for months after that. And so finally, whenever this person calls me, um, they send me over a draft uh, of the administrative regulations by the library coordinator, uh, Melissa Berger, and then another later draft that seemed to be seemed to cut out a whole lot that was on there um you know like a requirement to read the book um before a decision right. can be made and in that updated draft uh i learned from a story uh, a few months prior to this to start checking the the metadata within a a, a document um and that's how i saw um uh the name jay samick uh, appeared on on the author of this of this new document, mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out who Jay Samick was. I, I went as far as looking up uh, the last name Samick in the voter database for the entire state, just trying to find somebody near Central this? Bucks. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the I only had one real match to it, um, but I, I also got a little bit of confirmation when I found Jeremy Samick, an attorney with the Independence Law Center. He was quoted in a uh, an article from LifeSite News. It's a religious news organization. 
um, and in it on November 2nd, uh, he had said he had read through the documents, or I'm, I'm sorry, it was on November 8th that that published, and he said he had recently read through the documents, and here this document was made on November 2nd, I think. Uh, so that kind of tied, you know, the light bulb kind of went off there, and I, I thought, okay, well, this is probably the guy that wrote it, but I don't know that. Right. So I, you know, coincidentally, there was a, a pub, there was a committee meeting, a policy committee meeting that same week. Uh, so while I was sitting there, somebody brought up uh, just in passing, like the administrative regulations. And I thought, I'm going to write a, an email to their public relations guy, and I'll. This is my. This is the way I get into it. Um, so basically, we got to January before they finally got back to me. And they said uh, the administrative regulations are in place, but we don't post them online. So I put in a right to know request. They gave me the administrative regulations. This time it was a different author in the metadata, but the SAMIC draft and this official draft were identical, which confirmed it uh, for, for me that SAMIC had, uh, right. had, was responsible for this one. Um, and then that's where I confronted the district. And then whenever before they would respond to me, they sent out a mass email saying, oh, yeah, the board's invitation. We invited ILC to come down here and uh, and, and review our policies. And we're going to post them all online for you to see. Um, Classic and, crisis management strategy right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, but um, as far as the, the larger project, a lot of that credit has to go to Bethany Rogers. Uh, I am, uh, what do you call it? lazy um <laughs> yeah right okay yeah. whatever i'm not yeah. buying it sorry <laughs> she 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 had an idea she said i wonder if there are other districts with this you know with this group involved and around the same time i i just so happened to be looking into pencrest school district in crawford county that was passing an, an almost identical version of their library policy central bucks and so i thought you know let's let's put them where we know they're at um ilc was confirmed to be in uh hempfield school district i think lancaster county um and so we we had a few a handful of of uh school districts and after we sent out a few dis a few right no requests then i realized hey what we ought to do is we'll get the pen america banned in the usa report because that has you know numerous school districts throughout the the country and wherever a school district shows up that's where we'll put our right to know request in so we expanded it to about 30 33 i think um and out of those about uh probably half of that half of those uh responded with with something um although you know we had to put in a list of officers and people that we we believe be associated with the group uh, and some of those are uh, also with uh, Moms for Liberty. Right. So like with um, the Warwick area school district, um, we only really found a couple of emails where a school board member was scheduling a meeting, like a one-on-one -on -one with, um, with uh, I think it was Randall Wenger of uh, PA Family Institute. But the other like 499 pages were this other group that had not much to do with it. Although that mother did um, uh, put in... Um, the central bucks uh, policy into that district. But anyway, uh, so yeah, we, we basically, you know, just sort of, we, we knew that the districts probably weren't advertising the group's involvement, um, but we had a hunch that they were there. Mm -hmm. And I'd say probably about uh, six or seven solidly seemed to be, you know, in, involved in some way, but there's also 500 school districts across 
office and state. We, we can't possibly write right. to know all of them. Uh, but I, I have a uh, this. I have a feeling in the back of my head that we we didn't get them all. Yeah, well, I I would I would think that's a fair bet, and I don't want to take your money, so it's like, uh, no. But I I mean that's that's extraordinary, right? Right off the bat, right? Noticing that you know, noticing that you're going to see, okay, let's look at some type of key that we might be able to use to narrow down some of these possibilities, mm -hmm. and we're going to start with those. And of those, you have some half of some type of involvement. Now, you also say within you know within the responses that you got, there's some that you're kind of convinced that you there might be more there. You're not sure if they actually kind of scan everything and there's some other school districts that you're still currently kind of you know in this kind of back and forth and kind of fighting to uh on appeal to actually get more of those records so mm -hmm. like it seems like this is the kind of like the opening salvo of what could potentially be um much more information coming down the road especially for as i, I would suspect additional journalists and things like this in different school districts across the state now are, are going to start looking into the same thing yeah yeah and i i think that we are i mean there's uh, with uh, Pencrest, um, we actually got uh, only two documents, um, but we're currently appealing that because one of the one of those emails is a one of the school board members saying basically, "Hey, our our solicitor quit, but this law firm has been forwarding me a bunch of stuff, and maybe they can help us out." And our contention is, well. This email seems to indicate there are other emails. I mean, forward right. me a bunch of stuff isn't something I would say if I was having a phone conversation. Uh, so we're still waiting on uh, the, the ruling from the Office of Open Records on that. Um, Central Bucks uh, actually denied our request on the grounds that the documents are uh, privileged. Um, and we are pushing back on, on that for a number of different reasons. Um, and there were a few others that were, um, I think uh, a few districts also said that our request was too broad or too vague, um, to which our, our response is, we, we don't know where these where this, these organizations are involved, so how can we be more specific than just to give you a date and some names to look for? And we're waiting on that outcome as well. Yeah, and I got a question from Jenny here who said, uh, who initiated the communication to schools or the ILC? And if I recall, like the article said, in some cases it was the schools and in some cases it was the ILC directly, right? Yeah, it seems to be kind of a toss-up. Um, it's, and actually what's kind of interesting, again, with Central Bucks is that I, I only have a log of emails right now um, because we're, we don't have access to them. Um, but it would seem that the board by what they've said, the, the board invited ILCN. In Penridge, I've got emails that don't seem to be introductions at any point, right. which raises the question of how did they get involved with each other in East Lancaster County School District? I believe it was uh, ILC went to, to the school district there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of, of how they introduce each other and sometimes apparently it's still even a mystery uh, how they introduce each other but yeah it's um it could go either way it seems yeah well i th you know when i think a lot of these these are well-worn pathways in some ways you know and f mm -hmm. frankly is like i you know we started raging chicken back in 2010 after the the tea, the, the the tea party um, victories in 2010 
and then we saw a series of policies that seemed almost identical start rolling their rolling across the uh, across the country started in wisconsin and goes to ohio and then goes to indiana and i you know i work in the state system of higher education i saw that they were doing the public education in some of these other states and you're finding the identical policy identical policy language start appearing in state legislators seemingly out of nowhere right and so you know some of these networks i think are, are well established and you know and some of them they you know it's because they know each other <laughs> right yeah. they're familiar not because they're reaching out to some kind of random email address and say hey we're looking for help but they know each other through social circles through p political connections and so on mm -hmm. and it seems like we're riding the same kind of pattern that we saw there's this one moment where you know you talk about the penridge policy where um they actually left like you know like the draft from the ilc's mm -hmm. like you know stamp at the top and i remember this was so striking at that point because i remember this happening uh again back in 2011 when we saw these um, policies coming out for the american legislative exchange council then showing up i think there was the first one that started showing up was in florida that still had the alec kind of sample mm -hmm. paper all written across the top of the these submitted it into the state legislature to pass when it, you know, it was clear where it came from. It wasn't written by that person. And they, and they actually got questioned on the floor of their state Senate and they couldn't even talk about what was in the bill um, mm -hmm. because it was that kind of model legislation. And so it's really fascinating. I mean, I hate to put it in those terms, like these kind of, you know, neutral words of fascinating, but to see that pattern um, show up here again at the school level, uh, you know, the school board level. Yeah. And, and what's actually, I kind of forgot about this as well. It uh, wasn't how we tracked them down, but it's something we noticed and sort of getting into what this organization is yeah. and, and what they do. Um, the one thing I've I've sort of advanced my my checklist here. Uh, most school districts have a you know policy code book, and that code book tends to follow the same type of uh, organization. Um, you know, there'll be a section 100, 200, 300. And what I've found is that sections 109, 123, and 321. Whenever they come up, that's going to be that. That's going to pique my interest. Uh, one one twenty three, if I've got the right number right, is the interscholastics, uh, interscholastics athletics policy, which uh, Pencrest changed. Um, the change is um, there's always a section on there about male slash female sports teams, and they make a seemingly innocuous change of simply adding, you know, at birth um, yep. somewhere in there. Uh, policy 321 uh, is probably more famous from Penridge uh, locally. The advocacy. That's past verse. Yep. Uh, which also, I, I one thing I, I found very odd about this whole thing was that policy 321 came up in Central Bucks uh, right about almost before, excuse me, uh, Penridge had passed its policy yep. 321. And policy 321 seems to be born out of policy 160 which is in the story uh that uh, samick sent to um uh joan cullen the president of the school board in penridge at the time and it, it just seems that central bucks even if they didn't have a direct relationship with ilc before october of 28th as their their emails seem to suggest they have a policy that was born out of the recommendations of a member of ILC just months earlier. So it might even be that without the school districts even a knowledge, right. they're being influenced by these outside groups. And I think that that's part of the issue that we wanted to address in this story is that it isn't so much that 
an outside group is trying to have an influence in the school district's policies. In a way, every single resident that goes into a meeting and, and speaks publicly is doing exactly that. But the difference is I can look you up in the meeting minutes and I can find you there. But I wouldn't know ILC is involved unless I file a right to know request. And to us, especially whenever so many of these policies are prefaced by the need for transparency, right? that brings about a sort of hypocrisy that just needs to be addressed, I think. 100%. And I think, you know, this is what I loved about the story is a story at the very baseline. This is about what how democracy is supposed to function, right? Mm -hmm. Why we have transparency rules about kind of outside influence, why things need to be reported, right to know laws and all this stuff. So before we jump into exactly that line you just started there, can you give us just a little background of these two organizations of how they're related, right? You have the PA Family Institute as the parent as the parent organization for the Independence Law Center. Um, and I think, you know, to most people, if they weren't paying really close attention to who these people are, you see a name like that, you just read past it, right? You're like, oh, mm -hmm. they just would be interested in families, right? Right. <laughs> you move yeah. on. So can you talk a little about those those organizations which really take center stage in your um, reporting? Yeah, uh, well, PA Family was uh, started uh, in the 1980s. It's been around for, for a while. Um, and honestly, I had never heard of it until I got to the Central Bucks uh, issue here. However, um, in, I think it was around 2009, um, I was talking to a researcher with the Southern Poverty Law Center. I told him, I, I can't find any information on the nonprofit for the Independence Law Center. And they said, well, it appears to be a program within PA family, so it doesn't have it doesn't actually have to have its own filing. Yep. However, the earliest we have is that the leader of PA family, uh, Michael Gear, um, at one point around 2009, mentioned the ILC uh, and sort of introducing it for some for some lawsuit. And and they've been involved uh, back in 2017. There was a case in Boyertown Boyer area Town. school district. Uh, there was I think a transgender athlete wanted to or transgender student I should say want to use the locker room facility of the gender they identified as. And ILC took the uh, took the district to court over a policy that allowed that, saying that it violated the personal privacy rights of, I believe it was just one student, and then the Alliance Defending Freedom got involved, and they had a couple of other students add on to that. Um, ultimately, uh, it got their... They, they won in a lower court, but an appeals court overturned them, and then they tried to take it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court wouldn't hear it. Mm -hmm. So it kind of died on, on the vine there. Um, but, you know, they, they go after, um, you know, these the policies that I've you know already discussed there. Um, PA Family itself is focused on, you know, religious liberty and, um, you know, traditional family values, these kinds of things. And they have the so pa family and the family research council they prefer to describe themselves as completely unrelated to one another um but a lot of people seem to confer, seem to consider them um connected at least in, in some way and as i point out you know uh, i think it was a 2011 post of from PA Family, they refer to them as the as Family Research Council, as their sister organization. Uh, it is a national group that kind of seeks to do the exact same thing that PA Family does. Um, 
they've been designated as an anti-LGBTQ hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center for their support of things like conversion therapy uh, and just general dehumanizing rhetoric. Um, and it's something I've kind of noticed with uh, with PA family as well. They fight back on, um, uh, there was a, a executive order, I think it was in 2020, uh, to, you know, against conversion therapy and supporting gender affirming care. Um, and they viewed that as an attack on, you know, people who are struggling with their sexuality. Um, I feel like that's kind of, kind of where they're at on, you know, that, that community as a whole. Yeah. And they're not, they're not exactly trying to hide that because it's not just an organization, right. That's saying like, look, we should protect religious rights, but you know, this is what you write in the article too, says, you know, our goal is for Pennsylvania to be a place where God is honored, religious family of freedom flourishes, families thrive and life is cherished. Right. And we know each one of those, like each one of those, like, uh, things where religious freedom flourishes, where where families thrive, we're talking about particular kinds of families and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're known for this, right? I mean, they're they're known as one of these organizations, especially when you're talking about uh, the Family Research Council at, at the national level. I and mean, these have a long storied history of involvement in really kind of like, like really, you know, I mean, from my perspective, at least far right kind of religious conservative perspectives, which are, you know, border right up against, you know, Christian nationalism. Um, and, you know, that's the, always what, you know, where I, when I see them, it's, it's crazy. Um, but here it's like, uh, like you said, when you're talking about the PA Family Institute, I mean, I mean, who's, who knows them, <laughs> right, in Pennsylvania? Right. I mean, and, and, and not even just who knows them, but when you talk about the Independence Law Center, um, and especially if I'm approached as a parent at a, um, you know, at a school board meeting and say, hey, you know, look, we've got this Independence Law Center that is going to kind of has invited, you know, or has basically said that they will help us out with our policies and consultation for free. So we're not going to be able to spend taxpayer money. And meanwhile, this is a like a branch or, as you said, a project within this religious organization that is designed for the purpose of going after these kinds of policies and basically changing policy for its worldview from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also really important to note that ILC, you know, they they make a, a point of offering their services for free. And while, you know, that has the the boon of being a savings to a taxpayer, um, that also uh, puts them into a kind of a gray area when it comes to right. Uh, right records requests and what they have to vote on publicly. Um, I and I, I think actually this is something else I kind of forgot about there. But in our emails, um, we do have some from 2019 in Eastern Lancaster County where uh, Samick is explaining that you know we changed these administrative regulations here um, back in 2019. And the thing is, the board doesn't have to vote on administrative regulations. That's why you never heard of them. It was being asked of a, of a new superintendent. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, you, you take that along with the fact they, they work for free, they fly under the radar. And that really should be, I think, to an extent troubling to to some people and it's also not just ilc and pa family um there's a another uh, organization um i've actually just been looking into them the past couple of days there's the thomas moore society um they're going to be funding uh, a coming lawsuit against um the pennsylvania department of education for a series it was basically an anti-racism teacher uh guideline that the uh, Department of Education put in 
last year after the Those new uh, changes there. Yeah. 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 And uh, so far, um, Pencrest, uh, they voted to join this lawsuit. Uh, I think it was last week, a couple weeks before that, um, I believe it was Laurel School District uh, in Lawrence County. And then I believe it's the Mars Area School District in Butler County. Um, have apparently all joined this thing. It hasn't been filed yet, um, and I'm just going by what I could gather from the Pencrest meeting from what their attorney was explaining, um, but it sounds like it's going to be on the grounds of free speech. Uh, and as I look through the Thomas More Society, I'm, you know, it's a religious liberty law firm. Um, it seems to be going about the same way. Oh, right, right. The, the head of that society also was involved in a lawsuit in Illinois in 2016 over transgender students using locker rooms. It repeats itself mm -hmm. and they're, they're, they're not alone. And while Thomas More Society and PA family or the Family Research Council, as far as I know, have no ties together, you know, I think that just kind of speaks to how popular this is right. for it's some a, organizations. It's a playbook, right? I mean, it's yeah. a playbook that is kind of circulating in discourses that are, it's not necessarily like it's one organization that's breaking it all up and it's this big star chamber conspiracy or something like this, but it's yeah. nonetheless, it's within that kind of, I don't know, like, you know, the circulatory system of these, of these groups of folks, you know, and this is one thing that we've been, we've tracked quite a bit on the show is like, you know, uh, I mentioned you before the show, we have uh, Alyssa Bowen comes on every, every few months we have her on from True North Research and they're document a lot of these interconnections of, uh, you know, dark money funders of organizations like this, right? Because immediately my mind immediately goes to that next stage of the question, you know, I mean, I'm not asking you this necessarily, I don't even know if you've looked into this part of it. Um, but you know, I say, okay, if you have these similar agendas happening for these different kind of organizations, um, and you've got a law firm, which my guess is those lawyers that are working for that law, law firm are not necessarily doing that out of the goodness of their heart. My guess is they're getting pretty paid pretty good money for what they're doing. But, you know, but put that aside. So if they're going to get paid for it, they're getting paid for someplace. They're not doing it pro bono for themselves. Where is that funding coming from? And you even mentioned in the towards the end of your piece is like the PA family's reported revenues rose from about one point three million dollars in 2015 to more than two point two million dollars in 2020, according to its tax filings. Right. So that's only going up to 2020. So we're seeing that there's money flowing into these networks somewhere. Right. Right. So that's I mean, anyways, that, that's kind of a little bit of a sidetrack there. But you know, I, so I, I look at that stuff and look at those those threads of what is kind of making its way into uh, down to the level of our school boards, right? So let's get into some of just the specifics of it. I'm realizing I'm kind of I'm keeping you longer right now. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, oh man, oh, here we go. So, but I want to get into some of the the some of the examples of things that you found. And you've already mentioned some of them, but if you had to highlight some of uh, you know some of the key findings, or maybe things that surprised you the most of what you kind of uncovered. Could you take us into a couple examples to help folks see how this thing, you know, how these organizations work? Well, I think um, to me, I, I feel like the the Penridge example was probably the most surprising for me as I was looking into it. But uh, Bethany actually had the Eastern Lancaster County one. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact, like we, we really lucked out by getting this email from 2019 because our right to know request didn't go back that far. It just so happened that somebody wrote an email asking about it and they had to forward that email over to them. But one thing that she did find in there was that there was this, there's, I, I guess it's a, a theory a little bit, but there's a suspicion 
that you know a lot of the the outrage that had been riled about and everything stemming from locker rooms in in East Lancaster County um, that a lot of this seemed to be the the community outrage seemed to be prodded in some way by mm. PA family and then the ILC came in and said hey we can represent you for free and so some of the people that you know oh, were on the board were of the opinion that they are creating the very outrage that they're seeking to quell i you know i i can't really say for certain i i haven't seen exactly that in other districts um but you know from some phone calls i've made they're you know they're not the only district that thinks that um it, it's what i can say right now but um yeah interesting because I, I mean so i could imagine like so like just so people hear that right so you'd have like in in you know in that case right the east east lancaster you have pa families institute folks kind of representing there helping stir up the controversy right mm -hmm. and they say oh my god now we've got a controversy we need to figure out some kind of like legal strategy to deal with this controversy like oh lo and behold here's just happens to be a law firm that's well that's wants to come in and help you out right yep. and so it's kind of like yeah creating demand for uh you know that you're already planning on filling um and that's that's absolutely fascinating and it's, and there's some other instances too as well where I could, and again, this goes a little bit beyond your reporting for here, but I could see, you know, uh, I, I believe it was in, I don't know, what was it, Cumberland County, where you had the um, the woman from Moms for Liberty was also on the head of that, on the board. I'm, I'm, oh, uh, Emily Kreps, she is, um, she's part of the PA family, but she's also the Dauphin County Moms for Liberty chapter right, head. Dauphin County. Yep, yep. And that was uh, something we found kind of early on, and then we realized, we should probably uh, make sure if there's any chapter heads of Moms for Liberty in some of these counties, we should probably add those to the list because, you know, I, I, I don't know so much that they're working in tandem, but, you know, we do see a lot of overlap from these groups. So, and I think that the, the Warwick emails kind of help establish that as well because we have that policy from Central Bucks from the Moms for Liberty at the same time the PA family is trying to organize meetings with a school board member yeah, I, I think that's the way to, to kind of look at this is that if they're not interconnected as far as like uh, a channel of one to the other, they overlap like a Venn diagram sometimes. Uh, and that seems to that seems to be at best sometimes the, the relationship between the two groups. But yeah, it's 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 complicated. Yeah, that, that Dauphin County example has come up in multiple occasions. I know that they're on, um, uh, a lot of people are paying attention to what's happening with Moms for Liberty in terms of, you know, they've they've stated pretty directly at their last conference down in Florida that PA was one of the main places that they were gonna be targeting for increasing their work, um, particularly at the school board level. And so to see that kind of like, you know, that re again, not the kind of direct kind of like one-to-one -one relationship of like employer to employee, but rather people that are working in the same area that are connected through social connections, through political connections. Um, and they're all seem to be kind of arriving at the same conclusions that we should be going after uh, LGBTQ positive policies. We should be kind of um, doubling down on, um, you know, uh, your, your gender assigned at birth, your sex assigned at birth is going to define who you are, right? And anti-CRT stuff. I mean, they seem to be, you know, again, echoing each other. Um, and they've got a strategy and a series of tactics. And they've got funding behind them coming from someplace, it seems. <laughs> yeah. 
And also, I mean, it's worth noting that we are going into a municipal election year. Um, yeah, let's get to that. And we have the primary coming up. Um, of course, we all saw uh, in 2021, you know, the whole landscape of school board elections were completely changed with the amount of funding that came in primarily from back to school pack from uh, Paul Martino and uh, Clary Schillinger were sort of the two architects of, of that, that pack. Um, and, you know, I have little reason to think that it's not going to be the target uh, this time around. Uh, we've all, Bethany, you know, I have already looked into a group of uh, the Pennsylvania Patriots Coalition that are looking to, to put in their America first candidates on the ballot at every level across the state. Um, we, I mean, especially with the school board, because you can cross file, and for those who don't know, that means you can file with both a Republican and a Democrat. Um, sometimes the primary can decide the election. I mean, effectively, barring a writing candidate. Uh, in fact, that used to be what made those elections so boring to to watch from a news reporter's standpoint, because we, you know, you, you might have one guy that's uh, cross-filed on both seats, and he's not he's not opposed by anybody. So you've already got it. Or if he has a challenger, he wins a Republican and the Democrat primary. He or she, I should say. And, you know, they're going to probably be the school board member. Last year, we didn't see that, especially in Central Bucks. It was divided. You know, we had five Democrats, five Republicans. And it looks like it's going to going to heat up like that. And I, I would suspect that on both sides of, you know, Republican, Democrat would have, well, Republican, Democrats were closed primary. But I would imagine there's going to be a lot of effort to get people out to the polls in May for the primary because of those school board races. Yeah, I would. I, I can see it coming. I can see it coming. So let me ask you, I've got two remaining questions for you, and I'll get mm -hmm. out to it. So the first one is, you know, it's interesting that we see, you know, you've been covering this now kind of for a bit. We see, like, folks like Emily Rizzo down at WHYY. Uh, she's been on this beat, too. A very similar kind of story, mm -hmm. right? You know, kind mm -hmm. of like finding her in the, being in this position as everything starts to explode around you. You know, like, okay, yeah. I guess this is what I'm covering now. Um, and we've seen, like, you know, progressive outlets like the Bucks County Beacon. We've seen, you know, different institutes and organizations been looking into this. And I think for the longest time, you know, looking into these kind of organizations was really, you know, it was hard to get any airtime, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, get anybody to pay attention to the fact that, you know, look, these organizations are attempting to have some influence. That seems to have gone away. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be this kind of like, I don't know, recognition that there's organizations like this that are playing a kind of an outsized role in some of these really local elections. And that, you know, we're seeing some shifts in, um, you know, what we're reporting on and how we're reporting this, especially as we're going into elections, kind of thinking about what do people need to know as they're going to the school board or if they're gonna be voting in municipal elections or they're gonna be voting in the kind of the 2024 elections. I mean, are you seeing that kind of shift? Are people paying more attention to these, you know, these kind of organizations and these shadowy kind of systems of funding than they were before? I, I think so. I personally, I think ironically to an extent, a lot of that attention has to do um, with, as I referred to it before, like in Central Bucks and we saw in other districts where you had this constant pressure on the school district against pandemic policies. And it seemed like every meeting had somebody there making that the issue to focus on. 
And now that the pandemic's kind of waned, you know, a lot of those people would rather us not talk about everything that's going on. And in a way, I think that they kind of help, you know, build their own Frankenstein monster here, where now everybody has this focus right on these school districts. And, you know, it's to, to an extent, I'm sure that there are a lot of a lot of school board members out there that really just want to go back to, you know, our most controversial vote should be whether we're raising taxes. Um, but, you know, you have this this political machine at work that isn't going to allow that. And as long as that is present, then there is going to continue to be this this laser focus on it. It's kind of the only way that this is going to stop is if all sides of that political machine just shut down completely and let school boards be school boards. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. So now as cause the last thing to leave us with, um, is that so then now you're looking at your readers, you're looking at people that are living in these communities, not just here in Bucks County, but across the, you know, across the Commonwealth who are just maybe starting to tune into this stuff or becoming aware of all this. And we, I was in uh, Kutztown uh, last night mm -hmm. where Alan Gratz was there um, after his book, uh, Two Degrees, you know, young, young adult fiction on say climate change was supposed to be read by all middle school students in that school district. And then they shut it down because you had a few people basically saying they didn't want kids learning about climate change. Right. So uh, they banned the book, basically. But, you know, this is a pushback and people become aware of it. And so there's a lot of people if I've talked about in that community, talk with folks that are here in Bucks County um, who are just becoming aware of this. What do you think people should kind of be kind of informing themselves of or be aware of as we're going into um, these municipal elections. Um, what do voters need to know? What do citizens need to know? What do the communities need to know um, to understand um, the push and pull, what's influencing um, decisions of our school districts and our communities? Well, it's really difficult um, to get yourself educated. <laughs> it's become like a soap opera. If you aren't following from, if you haven't been watching for 10 years, you're not gonna know what's going on next week. <laughs> And to an extent, you know, it is it is very difficult, but not impossible. Uh, best way to do, of course, is to support uh, your local journalism. One hundred percent. But uh, apart from that, um, you know, make use of your school district. Probably has its minutes and its agendas up online to see. I I mean, I, I think the, the short answer is participation at all parts of the democratic process is the best way to inform yourself. And that means going to meetings or at least keeping yourself up, you know, up, up on what's going on at those meetings and just doing your best to, to, to sort of pick out what, you know, sounds true or false um, as far as what's said at the, the public meetings um, uh, we hear, especially for, for book bans. And I will say this as you know, literature major, uh, don't don't listen to anybody that hasn't read the book they're trying to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. If they say we haven't read it, then they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> right. And you can probably just let it go. Uh, it's yeah, it's that's a I get angry about that one, but um, one hundred percent. 
well, listen, Chris, um, I, like I said at the top, top of the show, uh, I, one, appreciate you coming on the show, and but more importantly, appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, all thanks goes to you and to uh, Bethany Rogers for the work on this piece. And, you know, work to everyone out there. Like you said, I mean, this is all the more reason to support local journalism, right? Um, because that's where the rubber is hitting the road right now. Um, and I think for too long, uh, my ending commentary for too long, a, a lot of people are just focusing on what's happening at the national level. And it left a big vacuum open for um, the, the kind of, you know, shenanigans that we're seeing happening right now. But, it, you know, it's not just shenanigans as, as little trickster pranks. It's one that's having like direct impacts on families and communities. So um, we need to make sure that we're going to keep that journalism supported. So, Chris, thank you so much for coming on tonight and thank you for all your work. Absolutely. And uh, one last thing before yeah, I go. Please remember, they don't have to be right. They just have to be loud. It, 100% right there. <laughs> exactly. They don't have to be right and have to be loud. All right, everybody, this has been uh, um, Raging Chickens out to Coop Live, uh, having Chris Ullery on the show. Um, Chris, it's uh, been an absolute pre uh, pleasure. Remember, you can follow Chris at Ullery at Intel on Twitter. Um, check out all his work, uh, Bucks County Courier Times. And also, wait, now is Philly Burbs now, is that a rebranding kind of central location we're going to find a lot of this work now? Yeah, uh, the USA Today Network, we used to run everything out of the Go Erie because uh, it was the largest paper. Um, but that kind of left everything in Erie. Uh, and people from Bucks County don't like seeing somebody from Erie in their paper, you know? <laughs> uh, so now they're, they're using a bit more of Philly Burbs is, our, is an old website that uh, the Bucks County Courier Times and the Intelligencer used to have. We used to have a weird like infighting before I got hired. I don't understand it. But anyway, <laughs> basically, they, they took the two websites, put them under one, and it also solved some technical issues that we were having with one of those sites. But anyway, that's a long version. Yeah, well, fantastic. Uh, thank you. Uh, yes, we're getting lots of kudos there. Great show. Great reporting for Chris and Bethany. Um, yes, so do check out all his work. Do check out, you know, again, you follow him on Twitter at Ullery at Intel. That's Ullery at Intel. Check out all his work on phillyburbs.com or the uh, Bucks County Courier Times. Once again, Chris, thank you much, so much for joining me tonight. And I uh, can't wait to see what you got next up your sleeves next. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in tonight. This has been Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Remember, you can help support this show by heading on over to patreon.com slash RC Press. You can patron for those five bucks a month. We'll be back soon, everybody. See ya.